And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. What is up? We got a new episode of Wizards After Dark, and uh, hopefully all of this material is going to be just as fresh as the listeners deserve. So here's the deal. Ben, ben and I are recording a couple of podcasts that we can send out to you guys because I'm going to be on vacation for a few weeks because finally there's a quiet period in the NBA schedule for the first time since what feels like the beginning of time after after uh, you know the, the COVID suspension of the season a couple of years ago and, and the bubble and then you know last year's hectic, really, really short offseason and then this season. So uh, we are recording a couple things so that the listeners don't have to do without a podcast for three weeks. And if you wanted a break from us, too bad. Although I have to say, I do not think that uh, anybody out there was jonesing for a for a break from you, Ben. So I'm sure they're very excited that you're back for some more episodes. <laughs> yeah, uh, based on my own interactions in real life, I don't know if that's if I buy people are excited to see me, but excited to uh, talk some wizards, get a break from my Washington football team training camp, which has turned uh, you know monotonous in, in the season, and I, I need to talk about something else besides football. So let's Great. go. Well, we got we got a game. We got a game that we're playing today. Uh, we are running through Wizards over-unders, and uh, as usual, if you're a longtime listener of the pod, you know that uh, Ben's preparation is not at the same level of Wes Unsell Jr.'s, so we're going to dig into that today. I've come up with a number of Wizards-related over-unders. For those who don't know what over-unders are, it's a common, it's a common what, what do you call it in gambling? Is it a game? It's not a game. What is it, Ben? Uh, I mean, a wager. Wager. Pro- there we go. It's a, it's a common type of wager. There we go. Uh, you should do this podcast though for me. Do people not know? Come on, people know what over under is, right? I, th- I, I think there's like, uh, I think the ear, your, my, my, you know, somebody's grandmother knows what an over under is. Come my, on. my father did not know what an over under was, and he's like a, he's a, he's more of a baseball fan than a sports fan, but he's a huge baseball fan, and he did not know what an over under was. Well, I mean, you know, what do, what, do, what do I know? I'm sure I don't know. Well, look, I know I don't know most about anything else besides the stuff we talk about. So I guess I shouldn't be so uh, I shouldn't assume such things. But good, good, good explainer. Then. So so what I do is I'm going to set a line at a certain number and we both have to guess if if uh, the result of this number will be over higher than the number or under lower than the number. Uh, all Wizards related. We're going to get right into it. We're going to start it right off. Ben has not heard any of these. So he is just, I'm putting him on the spot with every single one of these. No research, no nothing. Right away, Ben, over under 30 points per game for Bradley Beal this season. I mean, I got to go under, even though taking away Westbrook's volume shooting volume ball handling would in theory give Beal even more opportunity you could make a case they do have a deeper roster overall and that's just a huge number he had last year I mean if you tell me 
what he averaged last year, you know, the last couple of years is his peak of his career. That wouldn't be a knock. That would be a hell of a career, but it might also be the peak. So I'm going to go under, even though to this point, Beal's been an ascending player. So I'm curious to see what is his next step. But just in terms of the number, I got to go under. All right. I'm going to give you a list. Ben, I don't know why you didn't come up with a list to answer this question. Oh, um, no comment. Here's the list. All right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Elgin Baylor, Wilt Chamberlain, James Harden, Michael Jordan, Bob McAdoo, Oscar Robertson. Seven all-time elite, incredible, tier one Hall of Famer scorers, right? Do you know what that list is? Uh, People who have never been in my kitchen. (laughs) So cheers for anybody who's old. So it's seven. Those are the seven players to average 30 plus in at least three qualified seasons in a row. Adrian Dantley came real close, but he got hurt one year. So he doesn't make the list. But that it's only happened seven times, or I should say, it's only happened with seven players. I mean, that's is Bradley Beal going to join that list? He's averaged thirty plus two years in a row. He was thirty and a half or two years ago, and he was thirty one point five this past year. I, I just or thirty one point three, whatever it was. I I just struggle to predict that any player, you know, Kobe Bryant is not on that list. Allen Iverson is not on that list. LeBron James is not on that list. Tracy McGrady is not on that list. Like, I just struggle to predict that any player, Stephen Curry's not on that list. I struggle to predict that any player will join that list. Now, if he does, what an accomplishment. But 28 points per game, even in today's crazy, high-paced, really fast style is really good. Uh, I, I just... I think I think I'm I'm gonna say under, and if he gets there, like we just gotta tip our caps and take the L. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it's no knock on Beal, and I guess to the to a larger point, I mean, as impressive as he's been, I still don't view him as like an all time scoring type. I mean, that's what's been so wild. Like he really has his raised his game as a scorer, and he's doing it in ways so different than I would have ever imagined when he came in the league. You know, his three point shooting has struggled. But he's getting to the rim, um, you know, at an impressive rate. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, no knock on him to say under. But I think, you know, all, all things, including as you just pointed to history, tell me that's where it's going. Yeah, for sure. Ready for the next one? Let's do it. All right. This might allow you to get into our our new segment, of uh, Synonymous, which we did on the last episode that we did together. All right. Over, under. 10 games played with the capital city go-go for Corey Kispert. Oh boy. Um, who, a uh, quick question. Who is the coach of that team? We don't know yet. Okay. I just wanted to, that, that was the, yeah, that, that was on my brain. Um, th- 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 that's not, a I nonsense. think, I think they have someone that they're leaning towards, but I don't know who it is yet. I, well, you know what? Honestly, we might know by the time this podcast runs, uh, I think they have some. I think they have someone who they're leaning towards. I think they have an idea who it's going to be, but uh, I am uh, I'm not solid enough in my reporting with that to be able to just declare it on the podcast. All right, fair enough. I'm glad I got to put you on the spot, sort of. All right, uh, so um, 
Oh boy. You know what? I mean, if the, I guess it comes down to this: if this is the roster, they don't make any other moves. They they come into camp with all these pieces. I mean, they, we, as we've discussed, they probably need to make a trade on some level just to, you know, clear out some playing time for some sp- for some people, but also mag- maybe maximize their you know your 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 assets. Um, if they don't make any trades, I say yeah, he it's probably over because it just like they're gonna have too many other spots. But if you tell me they make a trade then I would imagine part of it is to clear space for him um, to get him on the court. So uh, without predicting a trade uh, uh, and therefore saying this is the team they'll have, I will go over. Yeah, I think I'm over too. I think I agree with all of your logic. I think I'm over. I mean, it's it's funny because they draft Kispert and you think they, they take a guy in part because he's NBA ready. But I think the rotation is going to have to put them it's going to kind of have to put him in a place where he's going to need to play games. You don't want him just riding the bench behind Bertans and Kuzma and KCP and Beal, obviously Uh, you don't, you don't, you don't need that Hachimura. uh, You you don't need him sitting there not playing. So I think it's very possible. He ends up playing a good chunk of the season. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think it's very possible. He plays a good chunk of the season in the G league just because they're literally next door. They're, they're, they're actually not even next door. The G league's practice facility is, is uh, the same building as the wizards practice facility. So it's very easy to send a guy back and forth. It's very easy to send a guy to go play there, you know, just right in the Southeast uh, I, I I think there's a pretty realistic chance we could see stuff like Kispert is with the Wizards at practice one day, and then he plays with the G League that night, and then he's back with the Wizards at practice the next day. It's stuff like that. Okay, he's on the Wizards active roster, and then the next day he plays in the G League, and the next day he's on the active roster again. I think we're going to see a, a, a good portion of that where it's just uh, Kispert up and down from the G League transactions every every 24 hours. Uh, it just that feels like the smart way to play it. And, and they're very prideful in how they like to use the G League and how they like to use the G League to encourage development, give development. And it just seems like a natural opportunity if he's not going to play. If he shows up and he just balls out and he shoots 43 percent from three, he'll, they'll find a way to get him in the rotation, you know. But but otherwise, the most realistic scenario, I feel like, is he struggles to get into the rotation right away. And because of that. They got to use him in the G League. Yeah, uh, yeah, and look, I mean, the G League stuff is important. I mean, I, you know, I, I like the strides that the NBA is making going in this direction, but you still got to take full advantage of it. Part of that is to, uh, you know, have the guy, you know, have players there, and you know, I think the stigma is, is is a bit removed from where it was a few years ago, where ooh, your first round pixel in the G League, that's not good. I think now it is an opportunity to play, and uh, you know, hopefully they can maximize it. I, this is one of those things where. You know, it is it is a niche type of well, I don't know if it's niche, but it's one of those things that, that does bug me sometimes when it doesn't feel like they're maximizing the situation to the best of their abilities. But we'll see what happens this year. And, uh, you know, hopefully they, uh, they they do and as a way to develop uh, their young players, whether it's Kispert or anybody else. I never noticed that that bugs you. You've no. never you've never um, made I'll it apparent. To, I'll, I'll try to make it more uh, apparent next time. Uh, anything more on Kispert? Or are we moving over to the next one? 
Uh, we can move over. I mean, I, I didn't watch a ton of Summer League, so I don't really have like a, a you know, an expert view of that. But, you know, I, I think I, I saw enough to see the traits that, you know, they uh, that they that they found interesting in him. And I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago that, you know, would, a guy like him needs sort of a functioning offense, not the kind you're going to get in, in, in Summer League. So, you know, we'll, we'll take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, I, I think he showed enough to be like, OK, I kind of get it now. You know, we'll just see what happens. All right. Next up. Ben, I'm giving you a parlay. Tell me if you're going over or under for these two. If you get one of them wrong, you owe me a million dollars. All right, over under two and a half assists per game for Rui Hachimura and over under 34% from three for Rui Hachimura. Well, give me uh, apologies since I'm the, I'm the no research so his assists, guy. So his assists last year, 1.8 as a rookie, 1.4 last year. And from three, he was 29% as a rookie. And last year, he was 33% on 2.4 attempts per game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go under on the assists. My, my, one of my big issues with him has just simply been sort of the, you know, uh, the, the instincts um, when it comes to passing and, and, and sometimes, you know, gets a little tunnel vision on, on the dribble, stuff like that. So uh, I'll go under on that. Also, he's not a guy that they're going to like, run the offense through a ton. He should have the ball a fair amount if he's going to start, obviously. But, you know, there'll be other guys who will do more of the ball handling per se. But then in terms of the the, the shooting, um, I'll be optimistic. I'll, I'll go over. I mean, you know, he did develop a bit last year and doesn't his overall game. Uh, you know, it's not like he can't make that shot. A lot of it will just come down to, you know, where does he get that? Where does he get the ball? Um, you know, that they, they'll they have other guys that can shoot it, but Dinwiddie is not that guy, right? So, you know, you may want Hachimura to, to, to spread out a little bit. And, you know, if Gafford's playing a lot of minutes at center, he's not a shooter either. So, you know, you may want Ga- Hachimura to, shoot, to spread out a bit more. And, you know, obviously he's got, that's not the same as making the shots, but I'll, I'll be optimistic and say over. I, I think he could be around 35% from three. So I'm going to go over on the threes and under on the assists. I, I I think he could be a little over 34. We saw some progression on the jump shot last year, and I think it's fair to assume there's going to be a little more progression on the jump shot this year. I I realize I was literally the one who set the lines, but now I'm going to complain about it or at least critique it. U- ultimately... With Rui, I think the percentage matters less than the volume because the volume is going to be indicative of where he is on the court of basically his basketball geography, you know, like if if he shoots, I would rather much rather Rui shoot 32 percent on four or five attempts a game than shoot 35 percent on two attempts a game, because if he takes two attempts a game again, he's 35 percent. He is giving them minimally more points i mean he was 33 last year on 2.4 if he gets up two three percentage points it looks much nicer ultimately he's not really giving them very many more points maybe he hit a couple more open ones throughout the year and that's about it what they need from him is an adjustment in skill which leads to an adjustment in basketball habits and i'm not saying he has to completely change who he is i'm a big believer that that Ultimately, you have to have players doing what they're the most comfortable with. And Rui's basketball DNA has him as 
comfortable mid-range guy, has him as as not necessarily a full-on stretch four who's only going to take dunks and threes. Like That's just not who he is as a player. And if you want to make him into that kind of a player, you don't draft him ninth overall. And I don't think the Wizards have plans at making him into that kind of player. I think you have to do what he's the most comfortable with. But that being said, he also has to get to a point where he's more comfortable being stretched in certain moments, where he's more comfortable shooting threes when he's wide open. There are just so many times, right, where he gets the ball in the wing or in the corner and he hesitates and he either doesn't take the three or he takes a worse three and he pump fakes and he goes one dribble in and he takes the 18-footer or he ends up passing up the shot, pump fakes, goes two dribbles in, realizes there are two defenders on him now, he passes back out. It was better last year. And there were certain nights where it was way better, where he looked way more comfortable. And you thought, oh, okay, well, if this is what it's going to look like, that's great. So you don't want to change his makeup as a player. You don't need to change who he is, but you do need to develop his comfort level in certain shots that are going to be much more team-friendly for a third option, which is what he's going to be this year. I mean, there might be times where he's a fourth option. If they're playing a team that is really bad defending pick and roll, I mean, Dinwiddie and Beal are going to be up there at the top. I mean, Gafford could be the third option. KCP is honestly a more established scorer than Hachimura is. He could be the third option even. I mean, there might be times where Rui is the fourth or fifth. And as the fourth or fifth option, you can't be taking those shots. So I think the volume is going to be very important for him and 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 very, very much related. The comfort level is going to be very much important for him. Uh, and, and that comes for the passing too. I mean, I, they need his passing to get a little bit better and it doesn't have to be as facilitating it's not like they need him running pick and rolls as a forward it's it's not like they need him like running elite fast breaks or anything like that but just the regular passing within the offense if you're gonna get the ball and you're not gonna shoot it swing it along quickly if you're gonna get the ball and you're not just a quick decision as opposed to getting the ball holding it for half a second and then deciding what you're gonna do if you're gonna shoot shoot quick if you're gonna pass pass quick if you're going to drive drive quick uh and and i think just instilling those habits into him and and who knows maybe maybe the new coaching staff will have a new way of being able to communicate some of those things to him being able to teach some of those things to him and and maybe he'll be able to absorb it a little better with them but but those are the aspects of his game that if i'm the wizards i'm i'm looking for this season to see what he can get better at the the passing i i i think he's got a I think he has longer to go on the passing than he does on the shooting. I, I could see him becoming a, a capable three-point shooter. Uh, I think he has longer yeah. way to go on the passing. Yeah, I think I've mentioned this before, either on this podcast a year or two ago or to you on the side or to my cat. I don't know. But uh, when, like I remember that draft when they drafted him. Um, you know, I was intrigued by him. I you know, was watching more college basketball at that point. You know, there was a there was a lot of guys in that range that you could have been picking from, and it seemed apparent that he would be a guy they would be interested in. Um, but then I remember, like, literally the day or two before the draft, I think ESPN, Mike Schmitz, puts together like these really detailed video scattering reports, like the pros and the cons of the of the players. And the the first like half of it, the pros were interesting, but the the back half scared the bejesus out of me. It was really just 
a, a player who just did not have a fundamental understanding of basketball. It sort of wasn't as bad as Kelly Oubre, but it, it veered into that range. And anybody who's heard me know that I always struggled with Kelly Oubre, a great athlete who had no feel for the game. Um, I don't think Rui is that. He's shown some growth, but that is the concern. That was a concern for me coming in, and I guess to some degree still remains so. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Next one. Let's go. All right. You got at this a little bit with the Kispert one. Where I'm just going to rattle these off. These are five related over-unders. And let's just do, you know what? Let's just do rapid fire. I'm just going to say one. Give me a one-word answer, over or under, okay? One word, say over or under. Got it. All right. Let's, let's, let's go snappy. Let's go snappy. Over or under 30 minutes per game for Rui? Under. Over or under 28 minutes per game for KCP? Uh, under. Over or under 25 minutes per game for Kyle Kuzma? Over. Over or under 22 minutes per game for Davis Bertans? Oh, boy. Uh, 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 screw it. Under. All right. <laughs> That's three words, but we'll accept it. Uh, <laughs> over or under 20 minutes per game for Denny Avdia? Under. Okay. All right. Let's let's dive. I just named five players for you. Which one? Don't say Bertans because we talked about him on the pod a, a few weeks ago. Uh, which one do you, other than Bertans do you think is the most interesting? Well, I feel like Kuzma, right? I mean, like I remember when he came into the league, I was at the summer league that year that he was um, right. He, he and Lonzo came in the same year together. Was that right? Yeah. So like that was like so watching Lonzo in summer league was that year's rock star situation and Kyle Kuzma really shined in that spot and from that because you're on the Lakers you get a lot more attention you know just like if you play for the Yankees or the Cowboys you play for the Lakers you get more attention than probably is warranted and maybe that would spin some of the Kyle Kuzma experience but at the same point there have been moments where he's looked pretty good you know the last couple years it's obviously was a bit more difficult for him in part because you know LeBron playing with LeBron James Anthony Davis it's a whole different deal and you know he probably couldn't do some of the couldn't show some of the things that he would want to at the same point. I think he probably was a bit overrated because of all the hype that he was getting from being on the Lakers. So I am just sort of curious, like where he, what is he does? Is he going to be able to maybe even be that a third guy to go with Beal and Dinwiddie? I'm not saying they would have a big three. I just mean sort of who were the top three guys that you can sort of count on in, in big spots. Maybe he becomes that guy. I think he's got more of that chance than some of the other guys. On the other hand, like I said, I, 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 like the name Kyle Kuzma is like a bit overhyped relative to the player that we've seen today, but that's why I'm intrigued to see kind of where he, you know, what, what they can get out of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've said this a million times, but if he was on last year's team, he would have been their best perimeter defender. 
Andy shot 36% from three. Andy can create his own shot. I mean, Kyle Kuzma gets a lot of grief for being Kyle Kuzma, but he's a he's a nice, helpful, competent rotation player who can do a lot of stuff to help you win games. I mean, he's he's a he's a legitimate pickup for them and and someone who will help them. For what it's worth, I'm going I'm going under on 30 minutes for Rui. I'm going under on 28 for Caldwell Pope. I'm Kuzma's tough. I'm going over, I guess, on Kuzma. I'm going over on Bertans, and I'm going uh, Bertans at 22, and uh, and under at Denny at 20 minutes per game. I think Denny is the most interesting one, though, kind of, in some ways, other than Bertans. I mean, Bertans, I think, is the most interesting one. I read a whole article about it. Other than Bertans, I kind of think Denny is, because they drafted him ninth. He played 23 minutes a game last year, and and in a lot of times looked overmatched. But that being said, he was misused, or at least not used to accentuate the skill set that everybody seemed to think that he had coming into the league, right? You know, he's a ball handler and a facilitator, and now he comes to the league and they're parking him in the corner trying to make him a spot-up shooter when his biggest offensive weakness is his jump shot. And that is now the most prominent part of his offensive contributions, and it's just not accentuating his strengths at all. And, and part of that is on the coaching staff, and part of that is on the composition of the roster, because if you're going to play him with Russell Westbrook, that's how rookies play next to Russell Westbrook. You know, he's not giving up portions of the offense so Denny can develop his handle and facilitating. That's just that's not going to happen. You know, uh, Unseld spoke about in his interview with the Wizards uh, and has has I, I, I think he's mentioned it in interviews and stuff. You know, he's talked about how he thinks Denny can be a, a really solid facilitator. So I'm curious to see how they use him. I mean, I know they would prefer to use him in bench units. I do not think he's going to start. I'd be very surprised if he did. Uh, and maybe playing with bench units, playing with a, with a Howell Neto unit is something that will help him. That being said, these five over-unders I gave, I think if you just use them with no context... 30 minutes for Rui. Well, that makes sense. That would be a career low. 28 for Caldwell Pope. That's what he averaged last year. 25 for Kuzma. That would tie a career low. 22 for Bertans. That would be, you know, that's that's even fewer than he averaged last year. Uh, 20 for Denny. That's fewer than last year. It makes sense. You know, you look at these and you're like, okay, no context. These make sense. That adds up to about 130 minutes at forward. There are only 96 to go. So, we're well over like these numbers are it's not going to come close to these and how they wedge Avdia into the rotation, which I kind of think they have to. And in a lot of these cases, they kind of have to. And maybe this is why it feels like a trade could be coming, because this is just the roster balance stuff that we talk about here. How they use Avdia, when they use Avdia, how much they use Avdia. He doesn't need 20 minutes. You don't need to give a guy 20 minutes just because you drafted him ninth. But if he goes from 23 minutes and starting a consequential number of games to not playing and in the G League the whole time, that's a problem. You know that you want your guy to be able to at least contribute to a roster that you're that that could end up being a play in roster by by year two when you draft a guy number nine. That that's that's really the preference. Uh, you know, he wasn't drafted as some extreme prospect you know this wasn't a Bruno Caboclo pick or something like that you know what I mean uh so so you you want him to be able to be out there 
So, yeah, I mean, I guess just to my, you know, to, to get into my wheelhouse of just being annoyed, like, this is like, I, I agree with everything you, you, you said, and it goes to the point of, like, what are the Wizards trying to accomplish here? I, I, you know, you can continue, you know, you can keep making trades and making moves, and I, we've said before, I've said before, I think Tommy Shepard did a pretty good job maximizing all the, almost all the circumstances he had, but at the end of the day, like, what are you trying to accomplish here? You know, I know that Jan Vesely is viewed as a is a failure in, in, in these parts, and I get it. It's not it's hard to argue the opposite, but obviously he's also proven to be a viable player in the international scene, and maybe he was ultimately better off staying overseas. But that said, um, you know, he, he showed some promise late in his first year, and then by the next year, Washington brought in more players, more vets to basically surpass him and Chris Singleton in the rotation. Now you can, again, they both of those guys – flopped out but I, I don't know maybe, maybe things maybe the maybe history goes another way if they give these guys more of that chance but when you're always trying to sort of make the playoffs or you know as they are kind of feels like they kind of are now that it's harder to just go with with you know burping a young player along when you have other options so i would like to see Danny gross metaphor more, gross metaphor wait what did i say burping a player along gross metaphor Really? Is that not good? I don't know. It's a little, a little gassy, bringing in gas for no reason. Well, I don't know. I was I went to a I went to a baseball game yesterday and I eat some bad stuff, so maybe that's <laughs> top of mind. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, um, uh, yeah, so it's just like on the one hand, look, I, nope, you know, yes, I get it. They always say you nobody's gonna be given minutes. Okay, but then you drafted up a guy ninth. Like you can't just say, well, he's got to play better. I mean. At some point, you have to play the guy, right? He has to be. This was my, one of my beasts with Troy Brown. Like at some point, he was the 15th pick in the draft, and he's not playing over guys who were just being picked up on 10 days. Um, like at some point, what's the commitment? But they do have other options here, so I get it. If you're going to say, "Well, we like Denny, we want him to play," but we also have Berton, so we have Kuzma, and you know whatever. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do. And this is where, when you have as many guys as they have, it's a good problem. It's not a problem. It's a good thing. But what's the solution? How do they work around it is where it'll be interesting to me. Right. It's 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 a good thing that causes – it's a good thing for the team that causes problems for the individual is really the way to look at it. This isn't a Wizards problem. It's a, it's a Denny issue. You know, It's not a problem that they have a bunch of good players there. That's a good thing. You want as many good players as you can get. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's – you want your number nine pick to be able to – to play I don't know maybe he ends up getting some minutes with the G League if he ends up not playing I mean you would hope that's not the case if you're the Wizards you want him to be able to progress also someone's going to show up and have a bad year it always happens it's always yeah, someone on every team who shows up has a bad year yeah injuries will happen to boot so yeah all right we got three more uh over or under a half a team played for in 2021-22 for Bradley Beal <laughs> Um, oh wait! It should be right. over and under one and a half. It's definitely over a half. He's oh, not going to retire. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I, I'll, too I'll kill the casino for that. Just, yeah, I'm too slow to have just jumped on the over there. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, look, I've already stated my case. I won't relitigate this again. As much as I was advocating to keep Beal when you had Wall and Westbrook, I then said, well, once you got rid of Westbrook and did it in a reasonable way. This was a good time to start over and move Beal. They haven't, and they haven't for the reasons that we've you know, discussed a hundred times over, that they're not looking, you know, quote, we will never tank. So I don't think you're trading Bradley Beal. The only way would be if he openly says, I want out of here and all that. But 
at this point, it doesn't seem like that's happening. So, um, you know, I would say I would say under. Yeah, I'm under too. I mean, I just I have no indication that he he wants to go, and I just can't imagine the Wizards would make a trade if he doesn't want to go. So, yeah, under. I I just I I think the most likely scenario is he ends the season as a wizard. And then he goes into 2022 free agency uh, and uh, with the Wizards hoping to re-sign him. And that's that's what I kind of think is the most likely thing. I mean, look, it's possible this season just goes to absolute crap and Beal goes to them before the trade deadline and says, hey, you know, if you want to send me somewhere else, I wouldn't mind that. It's possible. It's possible. I can't read his mind. I don't know how I can't tell the future. I don't know how things are going to turn out. But as of now. I don't know. I feel like it's the same thing that I've been saying for three years. He's just expressed in in no sort of consequential way has he expressed an interest to be anywhere else. So, yeah, I'm under. I'm not under a half a team. I'm not predicting Bradley Beal retires before the start of the season. That would be something. That would be a great over under. And just to be clear, if he somehow like does a rehab game for the G League, that does not count. Yeah. Right. You know what? No, it counts. It counts. It counts. Oh, We're boy, just going to have to eat it. All right. <laughs> uh, all right. Here is, we got two more. Here is a line that they could never have at a casino, uh, but it works here. So I'm running with it. Daniel Gafford will start over or under 50% of the Wizards games after Thomas Bryant is returned healthy and what we would define as being back to himself. Yeah, I'm so gonna Bryant, say Bryant is back. He has his game off the bench. Where we're like, oh, that's Thomas Bryant. He went, he yeah, went yeah. eight for ten from the field, and he hit a couple of threes, and he had seventeen points in twenty-one minutes. And he was uh, that math doesn't make sense, but you get it. He he looked like Thomas Bryant. He's back. Daniel Gafford starts over or under fifty percent of the Wizards' remaining games from that point. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say. Over, I, I mean, I think Gafford ultimately may be better served as a guy who kind of what we saw last year, um, and a high energy guy who bring off the bench. You know, we'll see if he's got to improve. Oh, so under that means trouble. you're taking that means you're taking under. Wait, why am I taking under? You said fifty percent of the Daniel Gafford starts over under fifty percent of the games. Right, right. I, I'm saying in a in a broad sense, his best role may ultimately be a guy mm. off the bench. But if he's going to start the year, I. With if he's going to be the starter, Thomas Bryant at some point is going to come back and be whatever he is going to be. Gafford at that point may have already established himself in some positive way. So I'll I'll go over, but like I said, I ultimately think independent of this question, I think Gafford's best role is probably going to be that 18 to 25 minute energy guy off the bench. But since he's going to start at center, I would assume I will go with um, over. I'll go. I'll go under. Nice. I'll go under. I'm feeling bold. I mean, it could totally be over. I think Gafford will start on opening night because I think Bryant will be available opening night. And, uh, you know, Montrez Harrell is not going to start. You can't start Montrez Harrell. So it has to be Gafford. But Gafford legitimately, I think the minutes thing is is a, with Gafford last year, I think it's, what's the way, wait, wait. I just think people the perspective of it is all wrong. I I think the Wizards coaching staff 
would have loved to have played Gafford more minutes. Like Brooks and all them, they loved Gafford. They thought he was awesome for them. Gafford wouldn't play more. You know, I, I think the coaching staff took a lot of grief for only playing Gafford, you know, 20 minutes a game. And and you can argue that if he was playing, that totally should have been starting to spread out his stints more. That's a fair that's a fair uh, criticism. But in terms of his actual minutes, like Gafford had he asked he openly talked about asking out of games at points last year because he was too tired. And I know that one of his big uh, goals over the offseason is to improve his conditioning. He really wants to improve his conditioning. But I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know where he's going to be at that. And if he's really only capable of not playing more than 20 minutes a game. I don't think you're I think you can have a starter. Certainly you can have a starter who plays only 20 minutes a game because we see it and you can name a million instances of it happening. But I don't think you can have a starter who is incapable of playing more than 20 minutes a game. That that makes things really tough. So I don't know if it's Gafford gets really tired at 20 minutes or if it's Gafford gets really tired after a five or six minute stretch and needs five, 10 minutes to rest on the bench. If it's the former, you can start him and you can change your rotations around. So maybe you get him up to 25 minutes and then you're okay. If it's the latter, I think it, it could be tough. And if he cut, look, if he comes in and he's changed his workout routine, changed his body, changed his breathing or whatever it was that gave him the conditioning issues last year, then this is a different conversation, but I think it's tough. And I think on top of that, the Wizards aren't just getting the center when they get Thomas Bryant back. They're getting a three-point shooter, too. And for all the talk of how they have more three-point shooting last than they did last year, and that's completely true, it's only because we're starting at a ridiculously low bar. If you start Gafford, you have Dinwiddie, who's not a three-point shooter. You have Gafford, who doesn't even take a shot outside the paint. And you have Rui, who's not a three-point shooter, all in your starting lineup. Beal, they obviously have to rush to guard the three-point line, independent of what his percentage ends up at. And KCP is obviously a good shooter, assuming he starts at the three, which he might not. That's just my guess. You know, it could be Kuzma, who is not a, you know, a he'll hit an open three, and he shot 36 from three last year, but he's not some, you know, elite knockdown three-point guy. You You might just need extra spacing in that lineup. And and there might be stretches where Thomas Bryan has really given it to you. Uh, I, I think he could ha- he has great pick and roll chemistry with Beal, and they might just have to suck up whatever happens on defense. So I'm going under 50 percent for Gafford. I think you're right. I think maybe his ultimate goal is being ultimate destiny is being a guy who is just who just is a beast for 18 to 25 minutes a game off the bench. Uh, so so yeah, I. I'm going under. I'm not feeling great about it, but but I'm going under because why the hell not? There's no consequence to this. Why the hell not? All right. Last one. Over or under 35 wins. Um, it's 82 games, right? Assuming they play 82 games over under 35 wins. I mean, you know, again, I think they had a good offseason in, in the sense of maximizing what they could do. They were a much deeper team. Um, you know, there are some young guys that, you know, could could surprise. I like Dinwiddie, so on. 
I'm gonna go under. I, I mean, the the East, as we've discussed before, like is pretty. And like you know, everybody, you, know, you could look every single team. You could take the optimistic view and say they're you know they could be a top eight seed, and the Wizards are one of those teams. But there's they're at the back of that group of say I don't know eleven or twelve teams that probably feels that way. Um, and you know, uh, there's just there's just still too much a bit uncertainty. Um, because other than Beal, I mean, even like Dinwiddie, I, I'm, as much as I'm intrigued by him, he is coming off the ACL injury. We'll have to see where he's at. All the Lakers guys, potentially helpful, but to, to what end? You know, uh, helpful enough to to push them over the top. I mean, l- losing Westbrook, there's some reasons why I don't I, I don't hate moving on from him, but he obviously at the same time is one of the best 20 players in the league or whatever, right? So, um, and we have also we have a brand new coach who no idea what what to make of him. Might be a really good hire might take a minute to figure things out. We'll have to see. So I'll, I'll go under. All right. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go over. Slight over. But but I'll go over. They were 34 and 38 last year. I think they about maintained. The, the I think the best argument for under is that the East is just ridiculously competitive and all of these I mean the top 4, 5, 6 teams are kind of all just really good. I think Indiana will be better. I think Charlotte will be better. I think Chicago will be better. I think Boston will be better. Well, that's 10 right there. And if you're 11th in the East or something like that, really tough. I think Toronto should be better. Uh, if you're 11th or 12th in the East, it's you're probably not at 38 wins. I think they're more like 9th-ish in the East uh, with a chance to fall to 12th or 13th. If they're, it's also somewhat of a bet on if Beal stays. I think if you think Beal stays, and we both do, then I think they're probably closer to the, in the mid to high 30s range, that 36 to 38 range. I think that's a little bit more likely, if assuming Beal stays, which we both think he will, than, than them falling to being a 50-loss team or close to a 50-loss team. So I'm going to go over. And, uh, you know, I think 35, that was the last official line. The reason I put it is that was the last official line that I saw that they were at 35 uh, in the real casinos, not the Ben and Fred casinos. And that's that's a line I wouldn't bet on of all the over unders. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on 35. I would stay away from that one because I just I there's there are too many variables, too many unknowables. Like we just spent a whole podcast talking about. All right, we don't know who's going to play. We we don't know what trade could potentially be coming, and that's not just in relation to Beal. That's in relation to the depth on the roster, right? Like, we don't know how they – if they're going to shift, like, a, shift some of the balance with a forward-for-guard trade or something like that or, or or bring in another wing or whatever it is. We, we, we don't know. We, we don't know the Thomas Bryant situation. We don't know the center situation. We don't know how they're going to work out, which of the forwards plays – Hey, there's just there are a lot of unknowns and we don't know how Wes Unsell Jr. is going to coach. So there are so many unknowns with this roster. They've made so many changes that it's just hard to get a perfect feel for it. So I'll go I'll go over. But real life, if you told me I had to bet on three teams wins over unders, this would not be one of the three. There you go. Sounds definitive. All right, Ben, I would ask you if you have anything to plug, but. Who knows? Because this is running in a crazy time called the future. Um, 
Thank you so much for listening to Wizards After Dark throughout this season, by the way. Uh, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great. It will be nice to have some time off. Uh, I'll, I'll be back with another pre-recorded episode next week. Tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. You can do it on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a review. Uh, give us five stars. The written reviews always help you know, a lot more than you would think. Although if you listen to this part of the podcast regularly, the, the written, you probably think the written reviews help a lot because I say it every week. Uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Check out my work there. I'll have a couple of stories from a mailbag that are going to run while I'm on vacation as well. So you can check that out over there, theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. And that's going to get you a full subscription to The Athletic. Everything you need. It's going to get you everything that you want, not just Wizards coverage. If you want coverage of the football team with Ben, you're going to get it of the Capitals and of all your NHL stuff, all your NFL stuff, all your NBA stuff, WNBA, everything you need right there. Theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. So check that out. Like I said, I'll be back with the another pre-recorded episode next week. I'll talk to you guys then.